So help yourselves um, to some food while we get started here. We're going to do, um, talk about anger today, and I have some handouts for you guys, and I hope this is uh, a good discussion when you pass this down. And Sabrina, where would you like me to put this? You can sit up front. Okay. Okay, so let's talk about, we've talked about stress the past couple weeks, and, uh, or actually last week we were over uh, listening to the guy talk about the resurrection. Did y'all find that interesting? Those of you who were there? Any comments? That was a really long PowerPoint. Yeah, really long PowerPoint. And I kind of um, thought, I'm not being critical at all, but I really wish there had been more unbelievers there on some chance to dialogue. But it is what it is. I just have to push the button on it. It's working today. It might be that USB thing might not be working. I don't know if it's your... Okay, so dealing with anger. Let's look at uh, look at your notes here. Uh, where did my notes go? Here they are. Um, the truth is, is that very rarely do we handle anger right way. Now, you guys don't strike me as the most angry people in the world. But I guarantee you that all of us, I mean, I, I do this, all of us at some point don't handle, handle anger the right way. Uh, what are the two ways people typically handle anger? What's, what's one way? Lashing out. Lashing out. So if you had to draw a, um, this is a terrible volcano, but you get the idea of a, a volcano exploding. Explosion. What's the other? Hold it in a slow smolder. I like to do it. Uh, I draw a pot on a stove with a lid on it, and it's it's got steam. You know, it's coming out everywhere. You got a, you got a, a pot that is uh, shaking because it's, so, it's 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 simmering. It is getting ready to blow up, and the only thing that separates these two is time, right? Eventually, this is going to turn into this. And a lot of times we don't handle our anger the right way. So what are some aspects of dealing with anger the right way? What are some ways that we can handle anger in a way that's going to be good? Because anger is actually a gift from God. Did you realize that? God gave us anger as a way, and we talked about this previously, of destroying what's bad. So here's the way to deal with anger the first way. Aspect number one is to deal with problems on a regular, daily basis. Okay? Deal with problems on a regular basis. Uh, who needs a pen? Anybody? Okay, right. Notes. You need notes. I thought I gave them to you. You put them down and then took them back up. <laughs> Thank you. It's a personal. It's, it's, it's not business. It's personal. <laughs> um, okay, sorry about that. Let's get back to what I was saying. So the first thing you got to do is deal with anger on a regular basis. Uh, Ephesians 4.26. Somebody read that for us. What does it say? Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Okay, it actually tells us to be angry. And while we're angry, do not sin. Okay? But the second half of this is the part we're really going to focus in on for this, this little section here. And what does that say, Jermel? Can you read it one more time? Do not let the sun go down on your anger. What does that mean? Don't go to bed angry. Don't go to bed angry. Or better, don't allow unreconciled, unresolved issues to fester. Okay, going back to our idea of a boiling kettle, if you allow that thing to just continue to simmer, it's going to explode. We can't let that happen. 
So over time, uh, if we don't do this, over time we're going to harbor anger un- in- until bitterness builds up in us to the point of outburst. Um, let me make sure I'm getting all your notes. Uh, the, the blank there is over time we harbor our anger until the word is bitterness. What happens over time is bitterness starts to form. Bitterness does not happen overnight. Bitterness happens um, over time. As time goes on, you, you get you can get really bitter about about things that don't go your way. Get angry and bitter. Now, if you find yourself responding to something you should be consi- that should be considered insignificant with extreme emotion and anger, you can be sure you're not only responding to this particular event, but to things that have hap- that have not been dealt with biblically. You've allowed the things under the surface to simmer for a long time until they've boiled over. So here's another example of that. Say you are in a relationship with someone. Um, for lack of a better person, let's say your mother. She is uh, a good mom, and you're a pretty good child most of the time, but there have been a couple things that have bothered you. And you're angry at your mom, she didn't say anything. And then she says, hey, do you mind taking your little brother to soccer practice? And you lose it. How come you never treat me like an adult? I can't get any respect around this house. Blah, 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 blah. And you get really angry over taking your brother to soccer practice. Let me ask you a question. Is the fight about taking your brother to soccer practice? No. No, it's about everything that's been you've held on to up to that point. If you don't deal with sin on a regular basis, I'm sorry, deal with anger on a regular basis, your problems are not handled regularly. Eventually, there'll be something small, we call it the straw that breaks the camel's back, that will flip a switch and you will lose your temper. And that is not good, but it is not um, just the item. You might, you might look back and say, well, that was an overreaction. You ever been in an argument with someone when they respond to something you do? And you're like, well, that was an overreaction, brother or sister. Sometimes it's because not because of what happened then, but because of the past. So if we're going to deal with problems on a regular basis, there are two options for doing that. Two options. And so here's how the options we have for dealing uh, with our problems. Option one, and this is a blank for you. Option one is to overlook the conflict in love. Overlook the conflict in or with love. You're going to overlook it. Um, we have some verses here to read. First Peter 4 8. You can read that for us. I can. Okay. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love co- covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. When you love someone, that love, and this is the we're going to use a lot of, covers a multitude of sins. Uh, next verse. Is Proverbs ten twelve, Jake? Um, hatred stirs up strength, but love covers all offenses. Okay, again, what does love do? Covers all. Offenses. <coughs> yeah, and the word, and I didn't look this up, but I'm pretty sure it's the same word. The word cover in Hebrew is the word kafar, which is the word um, atone, as the idea of of actually forgiving. Okay, it's actually where I think that's where we get our word cover. It's the same word. Just in Hebrew. I just realized I'm sorry. I have a little some light, slight epiphany there. Uh, Proverbs 19.11. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to what? Overlook an offense. It's actually the glory of a man, of a wise man, of a man who has good sense, to actually not, not, take, uh, not get ticked off, to not get offended. In our culture today, if you're offended, you're held up as being a virtuous person. 
You know, people get on the news. I'm offended at such and such. I can't believe they do. People on Facebook, I'm so offended that somebody did this, or I'm so offended that somebody did that. You realize that the biblical pattern is if is to overlook. If you're wise, uh, now not all the time, obviously, but this is one option: is to overlook uh, the conflict in love. So there are some practical things to think about, and then I'll, I'll open up the questions here. What are some practical considerations? One, you got to ask yourself: is, it, is this really sin? Is the conflict we got here, is, is this really uh, is this really sin? Like somebody didn't take the trash out. Is that really sin? Your mom asked you to take your brother to the sacrifice. Is that really sin? Um, and you ask yourself, is this really that big of a deal? Most, okay, think about the last thing you really got, really got mad about. Is it really that big of a deal? Probably not. Most of the time it's not. Does that make sense? What? What? Uh, any questions on what it, what it means to overlook, and how that how that would look to you? One thing that really sticks in my mind is like a consideration that we always that we try to implement is: um, Did you do the same thing? Like, yeah. Because are you being hypocritical? Yeah. Are we being hypocritical of others? Because I'll forget to do something and then I'll snap at somebody for yeah. forgetting it the next day. You know? The truth is, is that often the things you're most aware of in other people are weaknesses you have in yourself. So if you're like that person is so prideful, I can't stand them. Chances are, you're probably prideful. That girl is so vain. You might be vain. You know, whatever the guy, the guys, the same thing. It's just a, it's a very, um, it's just that's just that's not in the Bible, but that's just kind of a, kind of a truism that a, that a lot of people say, and I think is very true. Um, now, uh, to deal with problems regularly, we've got the option of overlooking. Our second option is to resolve the problem. To overlook it is to do that. Is to overlook it. Let me ask you. Let me go back to this for a second. When you overlook a problem, when you overlook the conflict in love, when can you bring that conflict up? Never. Never. Right? If you overlook the conflict, you've overlooked it. Here's what overlooking is not. It's not building up that pot to simmering heat. You see what I mean? Like People are like, well, I'm overlooking that love, but you bring it up later. Well, you did this and this and this. Well, why didn't you talk to me about it then if it bothered you so much? Well, I was overlooking it in love. Well, obviously you weren't. Because if you were overlooking it in love... You would not have brought it up later. To overlook it means to officially forgive them and move on without having to go to them. You've chosen just to overlook it. You've made, it a, made a decision. So the second option is to resolve it. If you cannot overlook something, you've got to decide to resolve it. And I gave you a little quote here in the, on your thing. Uh, it says this on your sheet. It says, go privately to that person for the purpose of resolving the problem. The purpose of that meeting should be only for promoting what? Reconciliation and unity, not for criticizing or condemning. When you go to somebody, you say, you know, here's the problem. When you did this, you know, it really bothered me. And that's just so insensitive of you. Okay, what's the point of doing that? If your point is just to criticize them or to tell them how bad they are, you're doing the wrong thing. Your goal is to reconcile your relationship with them. If they've offended you, you reconcile. You bring them together. Unity. As we look at this, I want you to turn your thing over and look at this chart. Now, this chart is incorrect. I have adjusted it on, I was telling uh, Jermel earlier, 
I realize that I um, come right here. Um, you're going to have to make some adjustments on your chart because I, I I messed up some some categories here in this middle section. So this is the the flow chart of deciding when to confront and when to cover. Okay, so the first thing you can do is you can ask yourself. In fact, this could be a little more complicated. What we can actually do, and we're going to draw another one out here, is according to the Bible, is what they did considered sin. Okay. You ask yourself, is it sin? If it's not sin, cover it. Right? Cover it in love. If it's not sin. Like seriously, there's no, there, are no, there are enough things to have to confront people about. Why, why do we make it more complicated than it is? If it's, if it's sin, then you might have to resolve it. If, if it's not sin, just cover it. Now there are other times you might also choose to cover it in love. Uh, and I think, uh, yeah, okay, so let's go. So let's say it is sin. If, it's, if it is sin, uh, what you should do next, and this is where you're going to have to make some changes in your, in your sheet here, is you're going to have to cross out what you have there, and you're going to say, is there a sin creating an unreconciled relationship? Is there sin creating an unreconciled relationship. I had their, is there sin harming their ministry or creating unreconciled issues? But I think this is clearer. Does it create unreconciled issues between people? Is it harming the relationship? So let's look at these verses. Who can read Matthew chapter um, 5, 23 and 24? Is it on the... It's on the, should be on your sheet, or you can open your Bible, one or the other. Okay. You said Matthew 5, 23. 23 and 24. I can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're offering your gift at the altar in there, and then remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Okay, so here's our verse. If you are offering your gift at the altar, <laughs> and you're worshiping God, and while you're there, you remember... That your brother has something against you, that there's a conflict, there's a. What are you supposed to do? Overlook it in love. No, actually. What are you supposed to do? Verse 24. Leave your gift, so stop worshiping God and go. First be reconciled and then come and worship God. You realize reconciliation has priority over worship. It's pretty, pretty shocking, but it's true. So um, that's key. Then Philippians 2.1. Through four, Jake. Uh, so, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you love not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. There's our friends from China over there. Hello. Um, so, uh, thank you, Jake. Complete my joy. You make everything full by being of the same mind, being reconciled. If you're not reconciled, not good. Uh, having the same love, loving the same things. Full accord, that means that doesn't mean all being in, in, in um, Jermel's car, being in full accord. Uh, being in one accord. Uh, someone once told me that was the first reference to Hondas in the Bible, was all the disciples were in one accord. Um, 
Sorry. <laughs> Being united in full accord of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others as more significant than yourself. Let each one of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. You're supposed to be looking towards the interests of other people. That's why it's so important that we reconcile these relationships. If, if they're, what they're doing is sinful and it's creating an unreconcilable relationship, you've got to deal with it. The second thing is, you've got to ask yourself, to, uh, back to our chart here, is it possible this person might not be growing and needs confrontation? Okay? Sometimes, if someone is, it looks like they're not growing and they need to be confronted about their sin. Um, and, and that's what we're going to talk about next. Matthew, uh, I'm sorry, Hebrews 3, um, 12 to 14 um, says this, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading to fall away from the living God. But it, what, what's this say? What's verse 13? Somebody read this part. But do what? Exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that any of you may be pardoned by the deceitfulness of sin. If we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence from the end, that exhort one another every day. That's encourage each other. Push each other towards righteousness. Exhort each other. Encourage. Um, purpose. Ever see the word that or so that? It's telling you the purpose. Excuse me. So that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. If you allow this to continue, that person is going to face consequences. You see that in our chart here? This person might not be growing and needs confrontation. He needs to be confronted uh, by you, perhaps. Um, or he will be hardened. His heart will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sometimes you can see things clearer in somebody's life. They're doing something harmful to a spiritual walk. Um, one, a couple more verses here. We can read James 5, 19. Like to try it. My brothers, if in, anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Yeah, by doing this, what will you do? You'll cover a multitude of sins. You will you will make a huge impact on this person's life. Um, so you you have a you have a responsibility towards your brothers and sisters. If they're having if they're doing something that is dangerous or that, that they need to be that they're not growing, they need this confrontation. Perhaps. Okay. Um, we're gonna skip over this one. Basically, it says in verse nine and in first Peter one, it says, If you ever lack these qualities that you are blind, having forgotten you were punished from his former sins, it's possible for you to get to not grow in your spiritual walk so that you actually forget about how you've been cleansed from your former sins and you can either doubt your salvation or act like an unbeliever. Okay, here's the next the next passage and that is um, the last one. Let's just skip ahead here. Um, will there be uh, serious or dangerous the word is dangerous will there be dangerous consequences to behavior? You've got to ask yourself, is what this person doing about to hurt them? Um, if someone is going towards danger, uh, you need to stop them. 
And sometimes that's what this is involving. Uh, so, Matthew 18, 6, so whoever causes one of these little ones to believe in me to sin, it'd be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drawn in the depths of the sea. Okay, don't mess with God's children. 1 Corinthians 5, 6, who can read that for us? <clears throat> Your boasting is not good. Do you, know, do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the whole leaven that you may be a new lump, as you really are in leaven. For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sanctified or sacrificed. Yeah, the idea of, of if you don't cleanse out the small problem, it could grow into a bigger problem. Right. And then 1 Corinthians 12, 26, if, if any one member suffers, all suffer together. Okay, if your brother or sister is suffering, you need to consider that because because there might be consequences for others as well. Um, so if we get to this, we say, okay, according to the Bible, is what they're doing considered sin? Yes. Then you ask yourself these questions. Is there, Are they creating an un- unreconciled issue or un- unreconciled relationship? Uh, no, maybe they're not. Okay, then is it possible this person might not be growing and needs confrontation? I don't think that's true. Okay. Will there be dangerous consequences? Eh, probably not. If not, then what you do is, what? Well, I'm going to say overlook it. Whoa. I don't know what that was. No need to be angry. Yeah. <laughs> Control yourselves. Overlook it. Praying that God will recover it, I guess you could say, but I'm going to use the word overlook it. Praying that God... Uh, the Holy Spirit will convict them of their sin. Because it's sin, it still needs to be done, dealt with, but, but maybe it's not your job to deal with it. And then here's the deal. What happens if this continues, and if it develops into a pattern, not your prayer, but if the sin develops into a pattern, then you go privately to the person for the purpose of resolving the problem. Matthew 18. Um, and that's what this is here, Matthew 18. This passage talks about this. So that, that's the no process. If any of these are yes, then you immediately try to resolve with that person immediately. So <clears throat> this is how you deal with problems on a regular basis. You don't have to go through this flow chart every single time, but in your mind, maybe you do if, if, you, don't, if you don't know what to do. Does that make sense? Any questions or comments or thoughts? Am I missing something? Should any um, like context of the person's life be brought into consideration? Like, let's say, um, it, it, you know, maybe if you do know that uh, that person has just uh, been keeping it in um, and then explodes, and then later you find out that uh, this home situation is under a lot more stress than usual, should that be brought into the consideration of, well, he usually wouldn't act like that unless it was under these circumstances? So would that, would that be brought in? Um, well, I, the way you just described to me it seems like are you are you already reconciled at that point or unreconciled? I mean, I would be careful about excusing away sin just because of circumstance because circumstances don't cause sin; circumstances reveal. So, if it was just like a one-time event, would you instead of, instead of excusing it, you would just overlook it in love, or um, is what they did consider sin? Yeah. Uh, yes. Is it? Uh, I, I would still go through this. It, it, are they? Are they causing? Is what they're doing creating an unreconciled relationship? If you're saying no, it was a one-time event, it was taken care of. Okay, then then overlook it. Okay. But if it's a pattern, if it starts to turn into a pattern, where they do it over and over again, maybe it needs to be dealt with. Yeah. Or if if 
they might just need to be grown. Maybe what this means is there's something this revealed about them. I love the illustration. I had a cup up here earlier. But if I put, if I had water in my cup and I knocked my cup over, what comes out of, if I knocked it with my hand, what comes out of the cup? Or, okay, why, why does water come out of the cup? Inertia. Inertia? Okay, in English, why does water come out of the cup? Because I'm knocking it, right? Oh, not really. Why doesn't coffee come out of the cup? Because water's in the cup, right? And by knocking it, I'm revealing what's inside the cup. And with our lives, a lot of times what happens is, is we're talking about one-time events. That's the knocking about we get in life. Sometimes it just reveals what's already in our hearts. The Bible tells us, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's not something that you don't say things. People say this all the time. They, they say something mean or on point, like it's really too honest. And they're like, I'm sorry, that wasn't me. No, no, no. It actually was you. That really is what you thought. But, you know, and sometimes it's just too too bare, too honest. Um, I've been guilty of that. But I don't know if that helps at all what you're asking, but I'm saying it depends. Yeah. And maybe if it's been dealt with properly. Yes? Uh, it says go properly to the person with the resolving the issue. Correct. Why do you do that? And it doesn't get resolved. Like, is that is there a next step, or is that like a later lesson? So, um, it, it depends. So, like, in, in Matthew eighteen, talks about if the brother sins against you, go and between just the two of you, and then if he doesn't, if he won't hear you, take two or three with you, right? And so go. And then after, go privately. If it's still, if it continues, take two or three, and then if it continues. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole process. We're, the Bible is very serious about reconciling relationships. We don't like it when people. God, I should say, God doesn't like it when people exist in a state of conflict. Right. So this is just really the first aspect of this, and so I'm going to handle the last two really quickly, uh, and then we're going to go into um, number four next time we meet because that has a lot of. Uh, details as well. So let's just go quickly into this. And that's it filled out right there for you. Uh, if you want this, I can send it to you as a um, picture. Uh, understanding you can control and restrain your expression of anger. So the first one was, is, remind me here, deal with problems on a regular basis. The second aspect is understanding you can control. This is huge. You can control and restrain the expression of your anger. Did you know that? You're not out of control. Even the people who you think are out of control are not out of control. Okay? Um, and you know this because people have different levels, different thresholds of anger. So they're at work and their boss does something they don't like. They don't scream at him the same way they scream at their mom or dad or husband or wife or child. The mom is losing it with her kids. I told you a hundred times to clean up your room. You brats, what are you doing? Why do you do this to me? The phone rings. She picks it up. Hello? Hi, Janet. Yeah. <laughs> She's controlling her anger. She's chose to control her anger. And, and so uh, this is a huge... If you can wrap your mind around this, this is huge. Let's read these verses together. I'm just going to breeze through them quickly. They say they're basically the same thing. A fool does what? Gives full vent to his spirit. If you are a person who blows up, you're a fool. But a wise man quietly holds it back. Whoever, so you're supposed to restrain your anger. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit than he who takes 
a city. The fact is, we do this controlling all the time. When we fail to control our anger, it's because we don't consider the stakes to be high enough. We do this all the time. And, and this is something you've just got to be honest with yourself about. There's never a time when you, when you legitimately, legitimately, uh, I, I mean, there might, okay, let me put it this way. I can think of very few instances where you legitimately would have no control of your anger. Normally, you are allowing yourself to lose control. Does that make sense? You disagree? I can think of, like, if someone killed my killed someone who I love, I, I, I can see myself getting very angry and, and perhaps losing control of my, myself. But that's a very unusual... I'm talking about the stuff we excuse and, like, I couldn't help it. I screamed the yell at my kids or I screamed the yell at my friend. So, um, why is this so important? James 1.20 talks about the anger of man. That's man-centered anger. does not produce the righteousness of God. Ecclesiastes 7 9. Be not quick to your spirit. I'm angry for anger lodges in the heart of fools. So if you're a Christian, briefly, you're almost done here, recognize the fact that Christians indwelled by the Holy Spirit have the power to control your anger. You've got to do two things. One, you've got a desire to obey God by controlling your anger. Never excuse, justify, or rationalize your anger. And you've got to prepare yourself. Any questions on this so far? Does it make sense? Don't allow the excuse. I couldn't help it. It's not a good excuse. Sabrina, are you thinking about something? I am. Um, it says that when you fail to control your anger, it's because you don't consider the stakes to be high enough to control it. So what I mean is, is that like, it, it makes sense, but it's it just, like, I'm wondering, like, why is it that people tend to blow up more towards, like, their close, like, family than with their boss? Because they're comfortable. They, they right. let their guard down. They let their guard down. They come home, and they get they become selfish. Okay, they know if they're that selfish at work, they would be fired. But at home, they can be that selfish, and they won't be divorced, or what are, what are the kids going to do? What can they do? Mom or dad, who's selfish? What can uh, you know what I'm saying? So there's a selfishness, a self-centeredness that happens, especially with guys who come home. They're like, "This is my house. I'm going to rule my house. Do what I want to do. Sit on the couch. Bring me a cup of tea. Get my feet. Bring me my newspaper. I want to read it. Smoke my cigar or whatever. I don't smoke, but you know, <laughs> this idea of my castle, my rules. Um, but all of us." We let our guard down. We are very selfish. We're guarded. Like, in this room, we're all very cordial with each other. We're very kind. There's things I could say that might make you mad. That you wouldn't maybe, like, get mad at me or to my face. And, and but you, if I was your brother and said it, you'd, you'd be like, you know, in my face about it. And part of that's just because we're more, we're more, we're more polite here. Right? Because we're in a public setting, because we're in a co- we're we're all you know we're all dressed a little nicer than we would be if we were in our pajamas at home. We're more on, you know more on guard. We're not. Oh, this just does that kind of make sense? That's my take on it. I could be wrong, but that's my take on it. Yeah, there's also other instances where you'll lash out at someone in public, but you won't lash out at home. 
Because you know you'll have to deal with the consequence. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like, what do you mean? Like uh, shooting at somebody that drives it? Like, if, like you're saying that we're more like Selfish. civilized whenever we're in front of people and we'll show anger at home because we're, we feel open. Possibly, yeah. But also out in public, sometimes you will lash out in anger because you don't see the immediate consequence. You're like road rage. Like you, okay. Like, yeah. you know, like you can get angry at people in public, but whenever you get home, you're kind of like, I will have a consequence if I get angry here. Yeah, that's that's very possible. I mean, I, I, would, I would say, yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll say I would concur with that because I know Bob Jones... Um, you know, foolishly, I would not guard my criticism of people or Bob Jones itself to them because in my head, their opinion of me doesn't, like, what they think about me doesn't matter. Yeah. It's different from people in my home. So, you know, in that sense, it's just like, you know, I don't really care what they think about me, so I'm going to act yeah. in a way that I would never act at home. And at, at the heart of it, that's still a very selfish response. It is, yeah. It's still yeah. self-centered. It's, it's yeah. like, well, what people think about me is the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could go the other way around, sure. I, th- I think probably it's more, among adults, it's more common to be the opposite. It's more common that at work you're better behaved than at home. In certain areas, I'm sure. Uh, let's keep going because we're almost done and then we'll... Last one is take time to examine the reasons for your anger. Be honest with yourself. There's nothing wrong with admitting what makes you angry. And just, like, sometimes it will defang it. It will... Take all the mystery out of it. I'm just like, okay, what, what is this? Bo- what is bothering me right now? Um, number one, uh, or did you get angry because some of your rights are being denied? Uh, when people cheat me, I hate it. I hate it when people cheat me out of money. People, I feel like I'm being abused. People make assumptions about me. Happens. Uh, happens occasionally. Um, it just makes me mad. I just get angry. I'm like, well, who do you think you are? <laughs> yeah. uh, this is my right. I, I, I pay your salary, little boy, behind the cash register. You better treat me with respect. You know what I'm saying? Okay, whatever. Some of your rights are being denied. Um, I that use this word. Two Chick Fil A sauces. Come on, give me one. Yeah. You didn't. You didn't say my pleasure. Uh, <laughs> you said okay. Um, the key here is. Is my rights okay? My way, me, me, me. Somebody cuts me off in traffic. Lay on the horn. What an idiot! Right? Um, trying to get, trying to have a conversation, and you get cut off in your conversation, and you're like, "I was just trying to finish a thought." Right? My rights are being denied. I deserve this. What is at the heart of this is very selfishness, very big selfishness. I deserve better than what I'm getting. Um, but here's another question. Are you angry because you love God, his truth, and his righteousness? Or do, do things that conflict with God's righteousness anger? You? you know what I'm saying? Asking, most, of the time it's, most of the time it's this. Most of the time it's my rights, not God's way that I'm mad about. Okay. Many times our anger comes because we want our own way. That is to control people or the situation, or we are, and we are unable to do this. So driving is a great example. You can't control everything. Why do I get so many red lights? Because God is teaching me patience. Why do I get stuck behind idiot drivers? Because God is teaching me patience. Right. Uh, 
where does conflict come from? We talked about this already, but I'd like to reference these last two verses when we done. Uh, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this that what? Your lusts, passions, desires of your heart are at war within you. What causes fights is that Jermel and I have different desires of our heart, and those two desires conflict with one another, and when we have conflict, those, that creates a fight. Because what I want and what he wants are different, and we clash. It's, it's not about the externals, it's about the, it's about the heart. It's about what do you desire. And sometimes it's right, sometimes it's uh, affection, sometimes it's uh, respect, sometimes it's uh, whatever. It could be anything. Good or bad. It could be something good that you desire. Um, your desire you desire you do not have, so you murder. Seems extreme, but the idea is that you take. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You don't have because you don't ask. You don't ask God. You ask, you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions again, your lust. You're so consumed with yourself, even your prayers are self-centered. Wow. That is that is convicting. Lastly, let's finish with this one. Proverbs 13.10. Can somebody read that for us as we finish this out? Proverbs 13.10. By insolence comes nothing but triumph, but with those who take advice is with her. Okay, insolence. Insolence. <coughs> um, strife. But those who take advice, you have wisdom. Um, take time to examine what's going on. Maybe what is it you desire? What is it you want? That's not being met. The answer is not just to meet that need, but to acknowledge that maybe that's an idol in your heart. This is what the world tells us. The world tells us, okay, so what is it you really want that you're not getting? Well, I want respect. Okay, well, get respect. <laughs> and then you'll be happy. But what the Bible tells us is that, no, if that is on the throne of your heart, if respect is the idol you're seeking rather than God, then you need to dethrone that idol and place God on the throne of your heart.